proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to walk a 5K. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about mental health in board games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Black Sonata and Vcom of the West Kingdom. Then, we talk about how board games sometimes gamify aspects of mental health and mental illness. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. Recently, I played Black Sonata, which is a solo deduction game designed by John Keane and made in 2017. It was a print and play. It's available as a free print and play currently, but I also got a review copy from TGG Games. So I've actually played both versions. I played my print and play copy and then I played the review copy and I played these on stream. So I'll link the VOD in the show notes of the most recent game I played. But Black Sonata is a solitaire game. It lasts around 30 minutes and it's a hidden movement deduction game, which sounds like it wouldn't work solitaire but i know this, really well. when i first heard about this game i don't remember if i talked about it on the podcast after i played it a few years ago oh, but you like have, yeah i i i was baffled i was like how is that possible <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so in the game you're looking for shakespeare's dark lady from the sonnets and there's a map so on your turn you can move around the map you're trying to find the dark lady she moves each turn and the way she moves is there's this deck of cards that have different icons for of the different locations and there's different ways to set up the deck of cards because there's like alphabet letters on the cards and so you put them in alphabetic order and that will be like the path that she moves and then depending on which set of letters you use it does a different path so that's how the setup works so that it works solo because there, there's given paths for her to move and so it, it gives you an icon but the icons on the locations have there's multiple icons on each location and then the icons are in multiple places so if it has like the icon of the beer then you know she's in one of these couple of places and then you change to the next card and she moves one space away and then it gives you an icon of a tree or something and you're like okay so now she has to be either here or here and then eventually you can narrow it down and then you're trying to land on her space and search for her and if you search correctly then you get to get a clue to who she is so there's two parts to it there's the hidden movement part and then the clue of figuring out who she is. And, and that is like, there, there's a card of Dark Lady deck. <laughs> and so you set one of them aside at the beginning and then each one has three different icons on it. And so you have to figure out which three icons are in that card. And the other cards in that deck all have clues pointing to the hidden card. So each time you catch her, you get a new clue card and then you have to eventually catch her again and determine who she is and like accuse her, I guess. I think it's called confront or something. So I really like it. I really like deduction games. And and it's, I, I was just really impressed with how it works solo, just like how the designer got all of these things working. Right. Like <laughs> that's nice. the thing with this game is like, as I was playing it, I was like, I, I know how the mechanisms work, but my brain kept, still kept thinking, how does the game know where she moved? Like, <laughs> that's the thing that like, like, it, yeah. it just, like, it's it feels like a computer doing it, like, mm -hmm. even though it's a, an analog board game. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So it's not too hard at the beginning to find her, but then you need to find, like, multiple clues in order to deduce what her actual card is, because, like, just one clue won't tell you the three symbols that she has. But each time you find her, 
when you find her, she runs away. So you move like multiple cards under the deck. So she moves a couple of spaces away and you don't know where she ends up. So she keeps getting harder and harder to find. And also another thing that's interesting is every time you search for her, you replace the deck, the card in the deck with a fog card. And so you can't search again when that comes around because you're going to be going through the deck multiple times. So you ca there's some like memory aspect of where she went because you want to like catch up and land on her space to be able to search for her. But then also you can't be, it can't be the same time as the last time you did it because um, that card gets replaced in the deck. Like she still moves in that location, but like you can't search for her there, <laughs> which is interesting. So yeah, there's deduction and memory and hidden movement all in one solo game which plays really well. So yeah, I, I really like Black Sonata. It's available as print and play, but also published by TGG Games uh, is the version I got. And I got it as a review copy. So thank you to TGG Games for that because I was really excited about that. That's awesome. I recently got a game to the table that I had been wanting to play for quite some time. And as things are coming slightly safer. I've been able to game one-on-one -on -one with my friend Kathy a little bit more. We're still wearing masks, obviously, and doing all that. But she came over and I got an order from Boardlandia, which is a friendly local game store that's not local to me. Um, and in that order was uh, Viscount of the West Kingdom or Viscounts of the West Kingdom. I, how It's spelled V-I-S-C-O-U-N-T-S, but it's a French word. So you all can, you know, Take whatever pronunciation you want there. Um, it is the third game in the West Kingdom trilogy from Garfell and Renegade Games. I have spoken in the past about how much I absolutely love Architects of the West Kingdom, which is the first game in that series. I have not played Paladins of the West Kingdom, which is the second game in the series. I skipped right to number three. <laughs> And I'm not quite sure why I did that. I think because it's the newest one. And so it's kind of the one that has more buzz at the moment. And so that was what made me pick up Vicont over Paladins, I suppose. But Vicont of the West Kingdom is a deck building game with a modular board that has somewhat of a rondelle mechanism in that you your Vicont moves around the board a certain number of spaces based on the cards that you play. The cards come from your hand, and even though it's a deck building game, you only play one card per turn. So it's unlike a lot of deck building games where you're kind of laying out all the cards you can. It's just a single card, but it goes to a board in front of you, and there will always be three slots on that board that you will fill with people, and as you add new cards to it each turn, the, other, the existing cards on the board slide to the right and then eventually off the board. And these cards have different abilities. Some of them trigger when you put the card out. Some of them trigger when they come off of the board. Uh, some of them have ongoing effects throughout the course of the rest of the game. So even though it is a deck building game, that mechanism is not as complex as a lot of other deck building games. I would try and describe the theme to you, and I could read, like, what the theme is from Board Game Geek, but it means nothing in this game. <laughs> like, I felt no theme <laughs> when I was playing this at all. It was, it felt like pure mechanisms only, which some people will be down with that. I will admit I was a little bit bummed that, like, it didn't feel like I was doing anything thematic at all the whole time. It was just icons and resources the whole time. But, yeah, you are 
technically traveling around this kingdom, acquiring uh, deeds and debts. And those deeds and debts are the crux of how the game will end because once either the deed or deck stack is empty, that triggers the end of the game. Technically, both stacks can run out. So there are three different ways the game can end um, because players will score based on how the game ends as well as far as what they've collected in those deed and debt cards. I will say that I can see why a whole bunch of people really love this game, but it's not for me. I Mm. did not, I didn't dislike it, but the whole time I was playing it, I just felt very indifferent about it. I was like, I understand what I'm doing to some degree and I can see how things fit together, but it just, it didn't scratch the right parts of my brain. So I think for people who like deck building more than me, they will probably enjoy this a little bit more. I will admit I'm bad at culling a deck. And there were a lot of abilities in the game that would allow you to pull people back out of your deck. And since you only have three cards in your hand at a time, generally, and you're only playing one per turn, I think culling your deck in this game is going to be important because you're not going to be cycling through your deck frequently. So you need to make sure the cards in your deck are working well for you. And I Mm -hmm. am really bad at knowing how, like what cards to get rid of. There weren't a lot of obvious cards to get rid of, like things that do nothing for you. Like one of my weakest cards was one of the only cards I had that had a build icon on it. So I was like, I don't want to ditch that. So what do I get rid of? (laughs) There's a cool little piece in the middle of the board, this plastic castle looking thing that you're, you'll put your little worker meeple on it has a lot of cool parts to it and I can see how with repeat plays I might enjoy it more but for me I would rather grab architects of the west kingdom all day every day I love 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 architects and that is primarily I think because worker placement games are something that I enjoy more generally than like a rondelle or deck building style game so uh while it was not a win for me it's a good game. And so I would not necessarily not recommend it for that reason. It's just not my jam. <laughs> so for the theme, does Architects of the West Kingdom have theme? It does. It's definitely not like the most thematic game, uh-huh. but like it does feel like, because since it's a worker placement game, uh-huh. uh, in Architects of the West Kingdom, you're placing workers to do things. So, And what's cool about Architects is um, the actions get more powerful the more workers you place. So when you play one worker on the wood spot, you get one wood. Then later, if you place another worker on the wood spot, you get two wood. So like it feels like You now have two workers there who are bringing wood in for you. And then when you're rounding up the other people, because you get to pick up other people's meeples and send them to prison, it's a little more interactive and it just feels like, oh man, like that, that guy over there is getting really powerful. We need to clear out some of his guys. So, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's again, not crazy strong of a theme, but it feels more thematic than this one. And I honestly, Mm -hmm. I don't know the reasoning behind why these three games are set kind of in the same world, um, other than the fact that it, you know, they're some from the same publisher and cool, similar artwork styles and whatnot. Uh, But I haven't looked into that to see. Same designers too. Yeah. So like, but the games are not that similar to one another, Mm -hmm. aside from the fact that the artwork looks similar and there are some shared ideas and iconography but like if you know how to play architects that doesn't help you very much in knowing how to play vcon so like there are some icons that you're like oh i recognize that but it really won't help you mechanically in learning Mm -hmm. the game necessarily 
but I am still curious to try Paladins. I might try it before I buy it, though, just in case. Because <laughs> yeah. this one, I just, I don't know, I got excited about ordering games. And uh, yeah, this one will probably hit the sell or trade pile for me. Um, I don't see it staying in my collection, but it's good. All right. So our main discussion topic for today is a little bit of a heavier one than we tend to deal with here on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We are talking about mental health and mental illness as they exist in board games. And I wanted to state up front that both Ambie and I are not mental health professionals. We have not studied mental health in any type of um, Mm -hmm. collegiate setting. So all of the things that we're going to state here are from our perspectives as board gamers and they reflect our opinions but may not reflect actual scientific data related to specific things so i just wanted to state that up front but we still think it's an interesting uh, and important topic to talk about yep so a couple years ago our friends over at meeple overboard podcast interviewed dan hughes of formerly of this game is broken <laughs> formerly of this game is broken um, and currently, and currently of, of Quora Quora Quest. Quest. Yeah. yes <laughs> And they talked about mental health and depression in board games. So you should check out that podcast, which I will link in the show notes, if you want to ha- hear a deeper discussion on the topic. And Dan, he's actually like a nurse um, and more qualified to talk about this, <laughs> like in a professional aspect. Right. Yeah. His perspective are, so. is definitely coming from a place of more education than ours. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, would, we would highly recommend if you think this topic is interesting and you want to learn more to go check out. And plus, Meeple Overboard, they're our friends. They make a great podcast anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't have to just listen to their episode from two years ago. You can listen yeah. to any of their episodes. This is true. <laughs> and Dan is also on the Sporadically Bored podcast. Yes. So that you could go check that out as well. Why not? Let's hype up our friends. <laughs> Check it out once in a while. <laughs> no. Yeah, sporadically. <laughs> but yeah, um, basically, we were trying to think of games that that portray mental health and mental illness, and it was kind of difficult to find ones that portrayed it well. Yeah, I, I would agree with that sentiment. There are a number of board games that touch on the topic, but not many that touch on it in thoughtful ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we get over with the non-thoughtful ways. There are lots of uh, Cthulhu-type games that deal with, like, serious... They don't deal with... uh, But they, like, use serious mental illness issues as, like... I don't even know how to describe it, like... I mean, they use it as a mechanism via which to change the state of the game, even. Like... Insanity is the word that is used, I think, most often in these types of games. And Mm -hmm. um, so in games like Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, Mansions of Madness, Mountains of Madness, they are all based on the works of Lovecraft that are, you know, with Cthulhu, big epic monsters that when you see them, you quote unquote, go crazy. And then Mm -hmm. they use those things to often manipulate how the players in a game can act or what they can do. And it is definitely not handled thoughtfully in most Mm -hmm. of these games. It is, these games aren't, they're board games, right? It's it's cardboard and wood components, Mm -hmm. plastic pieces. You're not seeing anything horrific. So they just seem like a means to 
I don't know. I'm torn here because I can see how, first off, the works of Lovecraft, Lovecraft himself was also problematic. So if you, <laughs> like, there's a lot to unpack here. And mm -hmm. I can, I've played some of these games and really enjoyed them. Like, I will say yeah, Mansions too. of Madness is a game I really like. But when you think more deeply about what these mechanisms mean, like going insane, it does seem to be, to some degree, poking fun at mm -hmm. people who have mental illnesses. And yeah. that does not leave a good feeling in my soul and heart. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it could be called... It could just be, I think someone mentioned in the Discord, it could just be changed to, like, corruption or something, which would... Yeah, there are, there are other ways. Yeah. I mean, or even fright. Like, if... Because in, oh, yeah. in almost every instance... Because it's of, horror. That yeah, it's horror-themed, right? So I think fear or fright mm -hmm. would be a more appropriate way to handle... If you wanted to include a mechanism that changed the way a player acted, because when you do get scared, that fight or flight response, that mm -hmm. does change the way you think and act as a human being mm -hmm. for many people. And so, yeah, I don't think it needs to be called insanity yeah. just because it's based on the works of Lovecraft. And I would love to see games in the future. Like these mechanisms are really interesting and sometimes very fun to play around with, but they could mm -hmm. be handled better. So then there are a few games that I think deal with maybe just general mental health in a more thoughtful way, I think. They're, the couple that I thought of, well, with, with help from Reddit, and I actually, did, I actually um, asked Dan Hughes if he had any, and he had a couple. So there was The Pursuit of Happiness, which just deals with the general mental well-being. Um, like stress is what eventually kills you in that game yeah like um. <laughs> you're literally living through your life and yeah. stress is the the thing that eventually pushes you into old age and then mm -hmm. death at the end of the game yeah. which sounds really morbid but it isn't it doesn't feel morbid within the context of the game just to be clear yeah and then there's the holding on the troubled life of billy kerr which is about someone who's dying and the nurses are trying to just um shoot what's it called Palliative care. Like, yeah, that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and so, we've spoken about yeah. holding on in the past here on the mm -hmm. podcast. Honestly, it, I still believe that it is a really neat and unique board game. And I would like to still see more games like it. Mechanically, it is not my favorite cooperative game. And it kind of bums me out because I really think the theme is interesting. Like it takes yeah, a here. dark and depressing really like theme and it makes it you, you want to play because you want to uncover the story behind mm -hmm. Billy Kerr and I think mm -hmm. that learning more about you know Billy Kerr wasn't a real person but they used real stories from real people to construct Billy Kerr and um, the stories in that game are fascinating another game that I hadn't actually thought about but in the reddit thread people were talking about the grizzled which is a cooperative card game about World War One, and it's not about it's you're not fighting in the war. It's you are like a team of people there, and you're just trying to survive basically. And it deals with different traumas. So like you you get these cards called hard knocks that have different bad things that happen to you. Like 
you get different traumas, like you can't see things or like you can't speak because something has happened to you. So, and you're all working together. And if one person fails, then like you all lose the game. So that's more dealing with like the mental trauma from war. Um, yeah. And it even has, it has a mechanism, the inspirational speeches where like mm-hmm. you can give a benefit to the entire team by giving an inspirational speech. So it also reflects that sometimes other people can help when yeah. others are experiencing a trauma of some kind. Yeah. And every turn it has support tokens too. Yeah. So giving to other people. So you're supporting your friends. Absolutely. So. Another game I wrote down is actually an RPG rather than a board game. And it's one that earlier in my gaming career, I really wanted to play and I never have. And at this point, I'm not certain I would want to. It's called Everyone is John. And it deals with a person that has schizophrenia. And all of the players in the RPG are the different personalities inside John's head. And so you are trying to manipulate John into doing specific tasks that you want him to do as one of his personalities. And obviously, schizophrenia is a really serious and often very scary mental illness. And so Mm -hmm. the gamification of an illness like that, while I believe it could make for some really fun and silly moments within the context of a game, I struggle to reconcile making something that serious and intense and, you know, traumatic for someone into something fun and lighthearted. So that one, I, I, like I said, I think as a game idea, it's really interesting, but is that worth playing? I don't know. I don't know. And as I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking like, there are some video games that a few indie video games. I don't. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I I know there are some that deal with mental illness and like go into more what it's like to have certain mental conditions. So I've heard of a few of those that are like made by people that have those conditions or like know about it more. But that doesn't really happen as much in board games, I think. And I think maybe that's because video games might be easier to publish. There, there's a lot more indie video games because. There's no, like, physical product that you need to publish, so... Um, I mean, in theory, though, there be... could be more print-and-play games. Yeah, it's true, so... I, I wonder maybe, if... Maybe well, there are some that we just don't know about. Right. Um, uh, I mean, somebody in our Discord who is a friend of the show, yeah. John Dubois, is uh, has actually designed a game that is getting published later this year called Heading mm-hmm. Forward, which is about dealing with a traumatic brain injury like a head injury and the ongoing effects that that causes. And I will admit, I'm really excited about it. I also came up with the name. (laughs) Oh, you did? I did. Which like, I don't need credit for that. Like, I hope John doesn't like, I don't know. But like, I I, I was excited about the concept when John first started talking about it. And he was looking for ideas for the name. And I threw that out and it stuck, I guess. So that's cool. I know, that's pretty neat. Another friend of the show, uh, Adrian Siski, uh, who used to be on the Great Way Games podcast, who they were good, they're good friends of ours still, even though the podcast hasn't continued. Although, if you all, hold on, I just have to give, if you don't know, they dropped a new 15 on the 15, which was a thing they used to do for their Patreon supporters. They dropped that one of those on April 1st. 
So if you miss Great Way Games, you should go to their Twitter feed and get the link because um, it's not going to be in your podcast feed because they didn't have their account anymore for that. But mm-hmm. needless to say, Adrian from Great Way Games did her master's thesis. She created a board game called Bitter Pills, which was about taking all of the medications that you need to live with a chronic invisible illness. And so while Adrian's illness that um, she was referencing in the game are physical, she has stated that anybody playing this game, it could be about both physical or mental illness. Mm-hmm. And it's a complicated game because managing an illness like that is often really difficult and frustrating, especially when it's invisible because people think you look normal or fine. And I will say as a person who deals with anxiety and migraines and I have to take medication for all of those things, I, I sympathize heavily with that because yeah, like I look normal and healthy and a lot of the time I am struggling and I know a lot of other people are struggling too so I think that's really neat that she was able to design a game as part of her master's program to help explain that yeah so here's the big question that we probably won't be able to answer is the gamification of mental illness okay now I I'm saying mental illness rather than mental health because I think we've given some examples of mental health being handled well in games. But I would say most of the examples we've given are dealing with mental health more so than mental illness. Yeah. So is the gamification of mental illness okay? Is that, I mean, obviously who determines what's okay? We're just giving our personal opinions here. For me, as is probably obvious by some of the other comments I've made already, I don't think so. At least for me personally, it doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth. And it doesn't... Mm -hmm. I like games that help me be more thoughtful about things like topics such as this. Mm -hmm. And I think as it stands, most board games that have aspects of mental illness in them are not helping me to be more thoughtful about mental illness. Therefore, what I've seen thus far, I think it's not okay. I think there might be a way to do it, but I just don't know what that is exactly. Yeah. So yeah, as I was saying before about the video games, like I think some of those video games are making people more thoughtful about it. And I think that is good to just open people's eyes, make them more aware of what it's like to have a mental illness and that like mental illnesses are real things. Like just because you can't see them doesn't mean it's not an illness. So Right. Um, well, in video games, you know, they, we've we've discussed this before too. They have the benefit of music and imagery and so they have more story yeah like there's more ways generally in a video game to more quickly immerse someone in a theme and i also think a lot of the video games that deal with mental illness topics can sometimes tie those into physical illness as well which Mm -hmm. i mean like the this is probably not the best example but the the one that comes to mind there was a um a video game that came out i want to say a few years ago um, called That Dragon Cancer, which I believe a, a set of parents created it or conceptualized it um, after their daughter was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And so obviously cancer is a physical illness, but I think there are a lot of mental health issues that come with something like a cancer diagnosis. And so mm-hmm. tying those things together, I think makes makes it work potentially better in some video games and I think is more difficult to implement in a board game. But like there are more board games coming out 
that are more unique and making people more thoughtful. So I think like in the future, there might be potential for mental illness to be handled well in board games, maybe. I would agree um, with that. Yeah. And I, I know that there are going to be some people out there who are like, I play board games for fun. I don't want to think. I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, like be made sad by a board game. I know people who won't play this war of mine because of how absolutely depressing and sad it is. Uh, I still have never played it. Not that I am unwilling to. I just have never had a chance, but I kind of want to. For me, it's not that I need a board game to make me be thoughtful or make me feel sad. I appreciate unique experiences in board games, and Mm -hmm. those types of experiences are more rare. Therefore, I tend to gravitate toward them because I, I, I like experiencing new things, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Yeah, and like board games that make you think, like you'll learn something too if you're if they're a thoughtful board game. Like right, yeah. Same. Like I I don't I can't speak for everybody, but I always want to become a better human, and mm-hmm. sometimes board games help me be a better human. Yeah. Like that's cool that I can hang out with my friends and have a fun time and also become a better human being. Like mm-hmm. yes, please give me more games <laughs> that do that. Yeah. I'm really happy that we uh, are tackling this topic, but obviously we are just barely scratching the surface of what this um, what this topic means. I would love to hear from some of our listeners. So if you all want to um, head into our Discord, link in the show notes if you're not in the Discord already, or head over to our Board Game Geek Guild, or just uh, reply to our tweet on Twitter for this episode and let us know your thoughts, or if there are any games that we didn't mention that do handle either mental health or mental illness in a way that you think is good and thoughtful we would love to hear about it mm-hmm. and also if we there was anything in this episode that we did not handle appropriately or delicately i would love to know that as well going forward we're, we're, we're making sure we're mm-hmm. trying to be as polite and thoughtful about topics like this as we can be but you know sometimes we make mistakes and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for video and blog content as well as get links to all our social media pages this episode was sponsored by gray fox games if you missed out on Ragnarok, the new game from the designer of Santorini when it was on Kickstarter, it is now available for late pledges on GameFound, so reserve your copy today. Grey Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Marr. Technical support provided by Toby Now. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, when you're gaming, when you're gaming, the whole world games with you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Visit patreon.com slash board game bit. <laughs> board game bitch. Board game bitch. <laughs> Board Game Blitz is part of the Nice Tower Network. The Nice Tower Network.